I would have really liked, um, so we're not strangers in, in Elko, and so when our record switched, we were well-known, and it's obvious that we have a child with a disability, and our pictures are right up there. So I wish that they would have taken those children who were neurodivergent and kind of showed his picture and maybe had a little conversation outside and been like, what would you do if you saw this child? And if then if they start to cry or whatever, then you say, oh, okay, now we can do a little lesson. Um, and I wish that the primary president or and the presidency would have done that with their own kids so that they the kid, those kids could be the example and they could set the precedent like, He's normal, he's just like everybody else. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall and uh, excited to see where this episode goes. There are a lot of things that sort of in the pre-discussion, uh, we said, hey, we could talk about this and what about this and and all of the things that my guest uh, Jane Saavedra talked about, I think are important things that we can learn. But also, I want to be able to get to know her as well. Let me welcome you in, Jane. Thank you for being here in the Cultural Hall. Hi, thanks for having me. And then as a as a, as a a way of introduction to everyone else, because they're going, Jane Saavedra, should I know the name? Is that someone I, you know, that I should know? Kim sent us an email that reads as follows. I adore my sister, Jane. I have often said she is the most meek person on the planet. Her strength, resilience, and perseverance is extraordinary, given what life and mortality have played in her cards. Jane has grown up without, with, uh, without a father. Uh, with our mother, and we can leave out some of the parathetical statements there, went to nursing school with mis mixed experiences, graduated with a degree in speech therapy while marrying a Peruvian man with different language and culture, having three babies where she nearly died all three times. We'll get into that. All births had special circumstances. Her middle son, Joel, being born with a genetic condition that results in physical differences. All these stories are worth an interview. But the most inspiring is Jane's message about finding courage to be yourself, the need to recognize our part in accepting others who are different, helping our children do the same, and the silent struggles and costs of parenting a special needs child. She is my hero, Kim says about our guest, Jane Saavedra. So, uh, no pressure, Jane. <laughs> None, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she'll be getting a, 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 a great worded email at some point today to say, come on, sis, what are we doing here? I I believe it in the few moments that we've had the opportunity to talk before we started recording. I can already tell uh, that much, if not all, of what your sister said is true. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, where where uh, do you live? A lifelong member of the church? Some of just simple profile stuff. Okay, yeah. So I am Jane Saavedra. I'm 36. I live in Elko, Nevada. I actually was born and raised here in Elko, moved away for college and then came back. Um, my mom was a member of the church and I got baptized at age nine. And so I was, yeah, I've been pretty much a member my whole life. Um, my, my dad died at when I was 16 months old. He was killed in a propane explosion. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was a really hard time. The whole community was really shook about that. Um, my mom never remarried, but at nine, I don't know why I kind of missed it, but I didn't get baptized at eight, but I got baptized at nine. I had to take the missionary discussions. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I was considering myself a convert, even though I don't know if I really am or not. But yeah. um, 
I graduated in 05 and then I moved to Utah. I went to LDS Business College and then I went to BYU and then I moved back to Elko and I went to nursing school here in Elko for a little while and um, I had a really terrible experience here. So then I moved back to Utah. I went to LDS Business College again, got married. Um, I, I met somebody at, there at the school mm-hmm. Married. I did the whole LDS thing. I got married in about nine months, and uh, we got married in the Salt Lake City Temple. And I had a baby in 2011, and then we started our family. So, um, after that, uh, I was just kind of working and going to school a little bit, trying to get a bachelor's degree. And then I had another child, my second one, in 2016. He's medically complicated. And then I had, I graduated with a speech therapy degree in 2019 and I had my daughter in 2021 and now it's now. So and now, and now it's now. Okay. Now so, so, so many things to, to, to lean uh, into a little bit from your life. Uh, I appreciate you being open like you are. And I think that, I think that, you know, it's interesting to me when I think about, you hear people will say, everyone has a story, right? And we don't know everyone's story. Um, but I think that this to me, the chat that we're to have here in the next little bit, I think is going to be very illustrative of like, everyone's got things and we can learn from everyone. And that's why we should treat everyone kindly because we don't know where they've been and everyone's been somewhere. Um, it's interesting to note Elko. I don't know that I've ever met anyone from Elko. You guys are getting a temple out there. How, what's the progress with that and, and, and sort of the feeling around all that? Um, I think a lot of people are really excited about the temple. It's kind of in a ritzy part of town. So Mm -hmm. everybody's pretty happy about that. It looks like it's going up, um, really well. Um, I am a little bit indifferent toward it. Um, in, in my lifetime, I never thought there would be a temple in Elko, but when I was about 10, 11, um, Gordon B. Hinckley came to Elko and filled this entire high school gym. And he said, Hey, you're going to have an, you're going to have a temple in Elko one day. Just be prepared. It's coming. Mm-hmm. We don't know what. And that really like back then, who cares? Right. But now as an adult, it was like, wow, that is really cool that he said that. And then when it was announced, Everybody in Elko was amazed and sh- and actually really shocked because it's so small. Mm-hmm. And, but it's and, a lot of people oh, are excited. And for people who don't know, uh, Elko along I eighty, it's in the part of Nevada that we don't ever think about. People yeah. always think of yeah. you know Las Vegas, and maybe maybe you think of the Tahoe side or the Nevada side of Lake Tahoe, and mm-hmm. and, and you know Reno. I guess you think of that, but it is in the very much forgotten part of uh nevada uh i know the other things that i know about it uh you uh you had uh quite a a bit of devastation with an earthquake a few years ago i think during covid or maybe prior to covid where Uh most of main street was just sort of destroyed in elko yeah well i'm not sure about that but there was some flooding afterward Hmm. well actually there's some flooding before that and then the there was an earthquake and a few things got messed up i guess um there were mormon crickets out here this summer that made a huge impact on us uh they took over the whole town and 
mostly the town is known for mining. So there's a lot of miners. In fact, my husband is a miner. He works in the mine. And that is kind of a company town. Hmm. Everybody mine. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind, I, I think it's very tight knit, right? Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, no yeah. one can do a thing that's different or the same without everyone sort of knowing it. And um definitely a town when like crisis comes that everyone would sort of unite it's interesting you say the the bit about the mormon crickets and i think some people are like what so you had some bugs come to town it, mm -hmm. it was more than that as i understand it like plows coming out mm -hmm. to clear the streets and and mm -hmm. i remember one news thing that i saw about it where it was you know when you uh step over bubble wrap and you get the pops of the bubble wrap like that's when cars would drive mm -hmm. down the road that's what it sounded like with these cars <laughs> and the mormon crickets in elko yeah, they stink really badly when they're like run over, and then they scream like. <laughs> so, uh, it was it was a pretty gross couple of months for us, but we never got them at my house. But a lot of other places around town did. You'd go to the hospital; they'd be climbing up the walls, and you'd go to Home Depot, and they'd be all over the you know the ground or whatever. It was kind of gross, but it's okay. We made it through. Were, were there jokes within the church? Because obviously the solution we here in Utah found is we paid our tithing and prayed, and then the seagulls came and took it away. Were you guys just not faithful enough to get the <laughs> seagulls to come? Yeah, I, I guess that's probably what happened. Uh, so I want to dive into some of the maybe more, uh, what do we say, complicated, difficult, vulnerable things as far as your life goes. Those things that we sort of queued up at, at, at the whole thing. And maybe we start with what I deem would maybe be a little bit easier. But, you know, I'll find out from you how that is. You met your husband, LDS Business College, now Ensign College. He yes. of a different culture. Uh, tell yes. me a little bit about what that experience is like. First of all, how you guys met and figured out, man, this is the jam and the person I want to spend the rest yes. of my life with. But then, like, what is what is that like as you guys go, all right, Peruvian, I'm Elkoian. <laughs> so, um, well, first of all, we, we met in a typing class, actually. So we were both kind of in the same program. So I was doing medical assisting. He was also doing medical assisting. He came... Um, he came from Peru to learn English, and then he wanted to really be either a pharmacist or a nurse or something. So he went to LDS Business College to kind of get his foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And um, we, so we both met in this typing class. He was late, and he walked in the door. And I mean, for me, it was like, oh, this guy's late, whatever. You know, mm -hmm. that's the first thing. And for him, he didn't notice me until a few weeks later. But I had been wearing scrubs, and I was kind of sitting in the back. And when he started speaking Spanish to me, he thought I was Hispanic. I'm I'm not. I'm super gringa. And I was Espanol. Like, do you, and then do you have a work? Like, do you have a job? Because I was wearing scrubs. I was working at the time as a as a nurse assistant. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, well, hey, you can like come and apply for a job. And so I drove him from downtown Salt Lake to Sandy. And I never met him. I never. I never even knew him. And I was like, okay, I'm driving you to work. So I drove to work with him. We kind of chatted for a little while. And then he that was that. Like we just became kind of friends and we got married um in nine months. But what I really liked about him was his hard work ethic and his dreamer attitude. He had such a positive attitude. He was always pushing me to do better and to think better. And at that time in my life, I was in a very depressive kind of state. I had just had a terrible experience with a nursing program where I had been sick and I couldn't make up my clinicals because I had been sick 
And then I decided, you know, I don't think this is for me. Like, I don't think this is really what I want to do. So I had moved, but I was so sad in the interim. I was like, I can't, you know, I'm not good at anything. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. It just picked me up off my bootstraps. And I think that he inspired me. He went on a mission later. He went when he was 25. Wow. And um, I really admired that about him, that he had gone, even though it was quote unquote late, you know? Sure. And he got back when he was 27. He moved here, like knowing no English, knowing nothing. And I just really admired him for that. And I, we just adored each other. So when we got married, um, I don't really think it was, um, I think a lot of people around us could see the problems that might happen, mm-hmm. but to us, there were blinders on and we couldn't see anything that would go wrong. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, like 12 years later, I'm like, oh yeah, it, it does kind of, it's a lot harder than it sounds. You know, we had to get him citizenship. We had to, um, you know, I never thought about, oh, what if he would have left me or, oh, like, what if he's just marrying me for paperwork? But I think a lot of people around me did. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that that was. Yeah. So, a- so, let me, so let me ask you this about that. I mean, we live in a day and an age where the idea of like, you know, in, interracial or intercultural marriage is, is it's every day. Everybody does it. There's not even a thought. Right. But right. You, you dial it back. 50 years ago and people are like you know even religiously some people were like that is not what god wanted people to do and all that uh mm-hmm. are, are there um what what sort of lessons have you guys learned because whether it's the greatest relationship in the world or the worst relationship in the world the mixing of two cultures where you know the idea of family in one culture may be different than uh, the idea of family or like how you care for family like what are some of the differences and what are some of the things that you've learned that if you were to talk to your 12 years ago self be like hey just so you know have conversations around this that and the other yeah um well it's a lot different you know than i had ever expected so um the language barrier is still an issue because I can't understand when he goes to somebody like his brother, or his sister, and is on the phone or in person and says, hey, da-da-da-da-da in Spanish, I only pick up bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's really important to have communication and be like, hey, you need to be cognizant of the fact that I don't understand and you can't just carry on without me. Like, you need to include me. So mm-hmm. that's something um our his cultural is super lovey-dovey super like like touchy you, you mean yeah touchy okay you, morning you hug your you hug and you kiss everybody in the whole family and i was not raised like that at all you're like in what fact, what is happening right now we do this I, once a year on christmas that's I, how this goes yeah and um and you don't say like in, when i was raised like you don't say i love you you don't say I think actions kind of speak louder than words, maybe where I was coming from. And he was like, I need to hear you say, I love you. I need to know your love language like that. Cause that's his love language is telling you and um, food and everything. Also um, sometimes with him and his um, culture, he 
will like hold on to his possessions a little bit more than I mm. feel is appropriate. Um, and I wouldn't go so far as to say hoarding, but I would a little bit like on the board of hoarding. Sure. <laughs> um because he just keeps everything and i say hey we don't need this anymore and he'll say well what if we do need it you know because he was raised in um in poverty you know and sadly poverty is a hard mindset to come out of but also we've really grown up together like when we got married we didn't have anything and now we have a home and we have three children and yeah so it's it's a lot better than probably we could have imagined too because it was scary at times sure i think anyone who is uh in a relationship listening to this are like yeah that's just marriage do you think that there are things you know because like my wife's love language is different than than mine and you know the way that she communicates is different than i and everyone's like amen sister but that's not peruvian that is marriage in itself do you do you think that there are um things that people can can go into maybe a little bit more wide-eyed and be like just have conversations around these particular things or do you think that's just relationships in general um well absolutely like for well here's just an example he his culture his background they celebrate christmas at midnight on christmas eve and you stay up all night and you party right (laughs) So that was like a huge eye opener for me. Like, what are you guys doing? Go to sleep and Santa's going to come tomorrow. No, (laughs) you you party all night and Papa Noel comes that night and maybe brings one present or two. And this is his family. And then, you know, and I think really I haven't respected him enough for that because I've been tired, you know, like, (laughs) um, and I haven't really. Yeah, I could do better about that. But so there's that. And and his culture or his family, they make huge deals out of birthdays. And we were just like, okay, it's your birthday. Like, have a party, move on. Yeah, what, you want a cake? You want a cake? Is that what you want? Fine, we'll get you a cake. Yeah, it's a huge deal for him, for his family. Um, Other things, too, like, um, you know, going to school is super important. And here, there's a lot of people who just are like, you don't have to go to school just get a trade job or whatever his Mm -hmm. background he just wants to make his parents so proud Mm -hmm. so going to school was always a priority for him which I really loved but a lot of people around us were like hey just do whatever you know buy time but um also he I don't think they really care so much about money uh at least in his family they always say money comes and goes so it's, it's okay to spend. And I was more of a saver. And he, um, I think because of his culture, was like, okay, I got money to spend. Let's spend it on what we need now. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, also, like, he literally did come from poverty. His floors were dirt and cement. Um, but he also, he also works really hard. So, you know, there's a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. And, but culture is so beautiful and I, I wanted I want to pass that on to our kids to let them know like your native Peruvian culture is so beautiful it's so gorgeous well and I think of just some of the very like tangible things Peruvian food man you are ble- you are blessed if you have someone in your life that can cook Peruvian food even yeah. if they don't do it really well even if they do it like moderately well a Peruvian meal is like heaven and I think 
of the colors of like uh, traditional clothing and some of those things mm-hmm. within Peruvian culture that I'm just like, man, we we're boring in some of these respects in comparison. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the oranges and the pinks and the greens are so beautiful. And like you said, the food, we have really been blessed by that. And I wasn't really expecting that either. Um, He's always he's always wanting a certain way to eat the food. Like you always have a um, a potato or and always rice. Mm-hmm. Was it really raised on rice? You always have soup. You always have more and more and more, a lot of meat. And uh, yeah, that those are some cultural differences that I wasn't quite prepared for too. Yeah. <laughs> Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. BestDJinUtah.com. You're right, it's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a BestDJinUtah.com ad. And well... The wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at bestdjinutah. And uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable? Yes. Over 400 five-star reviews? Yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah? Uh-huh. Go on. It's best djinutah.com and and I'll give you a little hint it it also helps me to be able to do this like financially support the cultural hall through that and you get something in return imagine running a small business today it's challenging imaging and internet presence is an absolute must even with that you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe now imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients imagine Lennon design whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation advertising media and promotional materials Lennon design is your partner in business they'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you when you need creative affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. And then you navigate this thing called life. And I want to lean into this. And this is probably where we'll spend the majority of the time uh, as we visit for, for the rest of this. You guys have three kids. Um, <laughs> you, um, I think that you addressed it as medically challenged, your, your second child. It, yeah. is, am I saying that respectfully in the way that you would call it medically challenged? Well, he's definitely medically challenged, medically complicated. Oh, that's what you said. Medically complicated was the term a, that you used. It's a disability. He has a disability. It, yeah. is, is medically complicated what we're leaning towards instead of a disability? Is that just a shift in the vernacular? Do you know? Well, for me, it is because um, sometimes people have bad connotations with disability. Mm-hmm. Not that it's a bad thing. It's definitely not that. But sometimes that that word kind of icks people they, it gives them the ick like yeah. disability especially with him like what's his disability and it's like well it is a disability but you have to know what it is so he was um he was born um he has a syndrome it's called cruzon syndrome and I have no went, idea what that is so you're gonna have to educate me and everyone else alongside me to go what in the world is that yeah, so it's a very rare 
genetic disorder. It was somehow a fluke in the genes and it flip-flopped something here or there. So I can't really explain it super well. But his bones in his head uh, fused prematurely. And um, so that he's had to have several um, surgeries to open up his head so his brain would have room to grow. Um, and he, let's see. So he... He's had 15 surgeries so far. He, he's seven. Wow. And his face area grows like about the third of the rate of a normal child. So his eyes are very proptotic. His nose is narrow. His like his um, airway passage is kind of narrow. His ears are kind of smaller. So he looks different. He has a physical different difference that he looks different also but it does it impacted his ears his hearing his eyes and his swallowing and he has an underbite so it impacts his speech intelligibility as well and uh you shared a picture with me that we'll share with people that that want to see um what your son looks like so that they can i mean that yeah, I, we, uh, p- pictures are a thousand words and 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 that gives you the opportunity to to see exactly what we're talking about the the thing that um that that I would be curious about that. Does it impact him cognitively as well? Are there there so there's no um, cognitive or or um, mental um, complications? It is strictly a physical medical Correct. complication. Yeah. Yep. So, so that so then uh, in a way that makes things more complicated because uh, aware that uh, that he looks different and, and not right. as you indicate not bad but different. Just yes. like any one of us that look different, and I'm sure that there have been people that have been uh, in his life that have been very loving, very kind, very accepting, very open, and I'm sure also that there have been people that have been absolutely terrible. Because why is that kid different than the rest of us? We as adults do this as well. Kids are far worse because I don't think they're aware and they're just plain out mean. What what does that look like? And maybe in particular in a church setting. Well, um. So in general, he has been, um, we've been going through it, you know, since pretty much day one, a lot of little kids, it's usually about five and under saying, Mm -hmm. oh, why does he look creepy? Why does he look scary? Why does he look the way he looks? And usually if you can just kind of say to them, you know, he was born that way, he's had several surgeries, then the kids kind of accept it and move on. Mm-hmm. There are certain circumstances where the kids are maybe they're autistic or they have certain other medical complications where their cognition is lower and they'll say things that are so hurtful and inappropriate. And at times, you know, it used to really hurt me a lot more. Mm-hmm. But as he's grown up and as he's able to navigate everything and he's well aware of what he looks like and how he looks different, um, it hasn't bothered me as much. Um, there have been a couple of instances at church that have really rocked my world, not in a good way, um, no. where the parents, obviously you can't control what your child says. So there's been times where we've um, gone to church and kids have pointed or looked at him and been scared or cried or ran away or went and talked to their parents about him and at that point we usually 
go with him and we are gentle and we say, hi, this is, you know, my son, he's blah, blah, blah years old. He has a difference. Do you want to know more about him? He's had what 15 surgeries. He was born like this. But usually I would try to get him on the same page. Like, oh, you're four? Well, he's four too at the time. Or mm -hmm. um, do you like Pokemon? Oh my gosh, he loves Pokemon. Um, and my power's low, so just oh, FYI. We're we're but, about to we're about to lose you for a power issue, it sounds like. <laughs> but um he I just think that if anybody around the adult, around the child, can kind of warn the child, sometimes that makes a huge difference. In our current ward, um, that we actually don't attend, mm -hmm. we just don't. Um, we had had our name on the record and our pictures in the records for several months, and um, nobody let some of the children know so when we did go to church one time um there was a child who got physically frightened and cried because of him like he's called him creepy and he was scared and it made a huge scene and it could have been prevented if maybe the mom would have talked to him before or the primary presidency would have talked to everybody before because it's not like we're not known in the town and sure. it's not be you know elk was small enough that we felt like we are not a secret family like we're here mm -hmm. so i just i think that if you're around a child that you know may have an issue then the adult needs to step in especially if it's your child and be proactive because kids parents like me we deal with this all the time we can deal with it but it gets exhausting sure. and so instead of saying like hey don't point don't look at them just come up to us ask us how he is what's going on and more than likely i mean parents love to talk about their kids so we're not going to shy away from telling you what's medically wrong with our child mm -hmm. it we're going to be really honest about it so i i would appreciate like if somebody came to talk to me about it instead of have their child point and cry, you yeah. know? Uh, so. As I, as I put myself in a situation of something like that, I, I, I hope that I am someone who would engage with you, but I also think about how, like, sometimes I just trip up and say things and I would be so afraid that I'd come up and be like, Jane, what's wrong with your son? And that's not how I feel. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want you to feel like I'm not trying to engage, but I don't want to trip up on my words. And I think so much as human behavior, we just go, I'm not sure how to make sure that I do this perfect. So I'm not going to do anything. And then the situation like what you described can occur or other situations. How, how would you best advise those that, that would engage? They want to engage. They're not really sure how, how to, you know, ha have that conversation. What's the tactful way or is it, or does it not matter if people are making great effort, you can tell. I I think you can usually tell where people's hearts are. Mm -hmm. And there's never been a time where um, you, I haven't physically like messed up on my words. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather somebody come up and ask, but not, you know, not what, what's wrong with him. Be like, you know, oh, what's going on? Or, um, but I think the fear of saying something wrong can hold us back. And 
I don't think that we should look at that. And I think the parents who do have medically complicated children are super forgiving. We understand that it might not come out right. And if you even say a caveat, like, hey, I don't mean this to come out rude, but, um, you know, what's what's this, what's the issue here? What's going on? Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot nicer to say, but also it's um, it's incredibly, like, validating to know that they care about you. Like, I, I would have appreciated that. Like, you know, do, what condition does he have? Or you could even say, hey, sorry to be nosy, but, you know, that always works for me because right, I'm right. nosy a little bit. <laughs> well, you live in a small town in Nevada. Let me ask you this uh, uh, around that. Um, do you find that some of your best relationships and connections are people who have both embraced you and your family just yeah. as you are and you don't th- th- like it's, you know, that in any of those things on their side and on your side exist, but it, th- but that's not what the relationship is. It's something far more connecting. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would for sure rather be a friend than a project and nobody wants to be a project. So if you know that you're being um, persuaded or trying to get to go somewhere or some, for an alternative motive, we can tell anybody can tell. Yeah. So you just that's how it goes. So I, I appreciate my friendships that care about us no matter our circumstances and that we can build upon and once you get to know my son like if you spend five minutes with him you'll know oh he's just like a normal kid and you get over it really quick mm-hmm. uh, a, a really uh sort of probing and, and personal question you mentioned that a word that you should go to but don't is it because of some of the complications that um maybe more stressful situations uh, around your family or is it something else entirely um yeah, that's part of it. Um, yeah, I we we just stopped going in the pandemic, and we were in the Spanish branch, and then without our consent, like they put us in a English ward, mm-hmm. and I didn't want that. Nobody asked me, and they just did it, and I was like, okay, what's going on? Um, and then what happened in the ward happened, and I just haven't gone. Um, there's a lot of politics. And things that I'm not comfortable with in the church. Mm-hmm. I say I'm a Mormon. I will always say that probably. Mm-hmm. But I'm not active because of the policies, some policies in the church. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I don't know how to navigate that either. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to navigate that too. It's yeah. Hard. Yeah. I mean, every one of us, some of us uh, do it from within the walls. Some say, hey, you know what? I might be back, but I'm going to I'm going to walk over here for a little bit and see what this is like. And and we're able to do that. I, I respect the heck out of that. You would even be willing to share that. Yeah, um, I, I always say I'm on a sabbatical. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, doing a study abroad for a bit. Yeah, um, I, I do think it is an interesting uh, thing and worth kind of having a conversation. We talk about uh, whether it's the primary leadership or leadership of of a ward. If you were to, if someone is listening to this and they're a bishop or primary president or something like that, are there uh, a couple of things that you're like, listen, this would be really helpful for people in this situation. This is how I would love it if a family like ours moves into your ward or is in the ward and maybe not active, or however, you know, the, the leadership would engage with you. Here are a couple of things that, you know, take note, do it this way. Mm, that's a really good question, because 
I would have really liked, um, so we're not strangers in, in Elko. And so when our record switched, we were well known. And it's obvious that we have a child with a disability and our pictures are right up there. So I wish that they would have taken those children who were neurodivergent and kind of showed his picture and maybe had a little conversation outside and been like, what would you do if you saw this child? And if then if they start to cry or whatever, then you say, oh, okay, now we can do a little lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that the primary president or and the presidency would have done that with their own kids so that they the kid those kids could be the example and they could set the precedent. Like he's normal, he's just like everybody else. Um and also, I just kind of wish that the primary presidency would have just reached out to me. It, I didn't even know that our records were moved, mm-hmm. and and then they did it without our consent. So it would have been really nice to hit, see, like, hey, I, I heard you just moved, like, in the ward. What can I help you with, or what can we do? Because my kids liked primary, you know, they liked it. Um, and I have a little boy who's probably ready to be a deacon soon, and. He would like that opportunity, but now I'm not even sure if it's safe to go, you know, or so um and I realize like when we're talking about this, I have some forgiving to do too. Um, but I know that when that happened, the parent was so embarrassed. And so yeah, it was not it was it was embarrassing for her too. Yeah. Uh I, I know that our time is short, uh, mainly because Jane's battery on her phone is going to die and then she will disappear and we'll all wonder what was the answer to the question that I just asked her. So we'll just make sure that we get all that done before. Uh, what, where are we at percentage wise, Jane? Where are we at? Uh, 15. Okay. All right. We'll make this quick. Uh, so th- the one thing that I love about this discussion is something that I feel like whether it is our primary kids, our teenage kids or uh, adults, and we're doing this in Sunday school, how powerful would it be as a lesson? And I and I guess in my mind, I'm thinking specifically of primary kids to be like, let's talk about differences, right? And maybe there are things like, um, you know, like these medical complications that you're talking about, or maybe it's just like, you know, uh, there are some people that have brown skin and some people that have black skin and and it's not like now be careful everybody it's just like a isn't this great because we're different and then as we kind of expand that out into a, a to a sunday school how would you love the lesson of there are some people that feel this and we love them and some people who come dressed like this and we love them and these people have these challenges and just being able to sort of create this opportunity where it's like differences are to be celebrated. And as Christ loves each and every one of us, maybe we take a little bit more of that lesson. And I have never sat in that lesson, not as a primary kid, not as a teenager in the church, never taught that lesson really on my mission, hopefully by example, but not that actual lesson. And I've never sat in something like that in Sunday school. That to me is a very easy once a year, fifth Sunday kind of lesson where we go, let's talk about why having lots of people that are different is so great. Yeah, I totally would agree with that. I think that our culture, our church culture needs to hear it, that Jesus loved everyone. Um, and Jesus fought for the underdog, right? And Jesus was the person who would stand up for the person with a disability, person with a medical 
thing person with a who was not the same race as them you know i'm thinking about the samaritan and the woman with the blood issue and mm -hmm. the man with the leprosy jesus was the person who really stood up and defended all these these people and it it would make a whole world of difference i think it's not just that jesus was kind but he was kind to a person who with a difference um mm -hmm. he was loving to the people that other people hated it does make a difference and if we want our kids to emulate jesus which i think is mostly the goal um that would be really beneficial and what I think too, uh, it's significant to note that your ask, you're like you're not saying, "Hey, ward members, uh, clear this medical complication for my kid," or right. you know, uh, change the world and all this. Like you're just like, "Hey, ask me about it. Have a conversation with me about it. Have a conversation with your kids uh, uh, about this. You know, just not world changing, but." your world changing just by engaging in 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 that very minimal that very small step well we're not naive to the fact that it's not going to go away when he was born several people said oh i'll pray for you like it'll go away no it's not going to go away and we'll, let's not pretend it is because it's a genetic thing who's mm -hmm. born with and it's always going to be there even with surgeries you know it's not going to change um, it might change a little bit the way he looks, but he's still going to be how he looks, just maybe a different part of his eyes or flush or more proper, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not naive to that, that it'll go away. We would just like love and acceptance and just if you could just be patient with five minutes, you'll learn that he's just as normal as everybody else. So um, I think that it would be a very wise decision to to teach the kids that to teach the teenagers that who sometimes are hurtful sure. and adults also but adults like generally can um they don't say hurtful things but i think with him at least they'll be like well is this just for aesthetics you know, it's like, no, it's not really for, why would we change him? We like the way he is. What We like the way he looks. Right. Um, we just want him to be, his eyes to be more protected so they're not sticking out as much so that he doesn't get hurt. We want him to be able to breathe better. We want him to be able to swallow better and, and not have um, choking issues and speech issues. So it's not just for aesthetics. So the, the fact that some adults say that, so I think that that would be nice too to 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 say it in an adult lesson like we just accept them for who they are mm -hmm. and don't try to pray it away don't try to make it difference don't try to make it different than it is just accept it and love the way it is yeah tremendously impactful i i uh my heart feels heavy for uh you and and then subsequently anyone else who has uh you know had these experiences where they don't they don't um you know, they don't feel like they have the the closeness or the love or the support. Uh, I I know that as I think back on my life, there are definitely opportunities, you know, even in current world where I could be more loving. I'm not, you know, pointing and saying, ah, or crying, but I'm definitely not saying, hey, tell me a little bit about whatever the thing is, you know, a, a blessing in some way that this is a very obvious thing to be able to engage. How many things do each of us have 
that on the outside, and I'm going to use this term, uh, you know, we look normal, but on the inside have these things that, that are hard for us, that are struggles where we feel different. And to be able to be loved and cared for, uh, you know, around all these things, I really think that you spoke well to it, that, that, that to me is the point. And how often do we just miss the point? Unfortunately, a lot of times we just miss the point. And sadly, you know, we're human We're everybody's human and everybody makes mistakes, um, especially about that kind of stuff. But sometimes I feel like people, um, um, like with that, it's words kind of do hurt, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and also, uh, and I know we're we're going to run out of battery. You're going to click off here in a second. We make mistakes, yeah, but, but the, the idea that we make mistakes, but then can't course correct and be like, you know what? When you moved in the ward, Jane, I made a mistake by not coming over and talking to you. But you know what? I'm sorry that I made that mistake. And now I want to come over and talk to you. And I think you'd appreciate the heck out of that more than... Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't talk yeah. and I'm doubling down on not engaging you. We have uh, three questions we ask everyone who steps into the culture hall. One, I already know that you likely don't have a calling. That's the first question, yeah. presuming uh, that you don't go to church. That is a sort of an assumption. Hopefully that's safe. Second, though, if you could create a calling, one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Um, um gosh, that's a really good question. I would just probably be the primary pianist. That's probably what I would do. Yeah, that's awesome. And very coveted position within the church, for sure. That's the one we get the most. Uh, The last question may be difficult. Um, We ask you to interpret it however you may. But the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? Uh, Gosh, that's a really good one. Um, My favorite part of my faith, goodness. Well, it's evolved. um, And I'm very grateful for, I guess I'm grateful for my my, uh, hope and my faith in afterlife and being with family, whatever that looks like, that is a big blessing. And it's a big, um, just a, a really good thing to hope for because without that, you know, I'm not sure that the gospel would mean as much. I love Jesus. He's my homeboy. <laughs> I love heavenly father. I love heavenly mother. I wish people would love heavenly mother more than we give her credit for um but i am truly grateful for uh the the example that jesus has given us to be kind and loving and that we can be with our families in the afterlife yeah well said beautifully said uh phone's gonna die so we'll let you go jane Uh, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.